I want to invite you to take out your copy of God's Word uh, this morning and go ahead and turn to John chapter 21. That's where we're going to be uh, this morning as we continue our uh, sermon series in, in, in the, the series Behold Jesus. And uh, as you turn there, I want to tell you um, just a quick story by way of introduction. We're going to talk this morning about uh, following Jesus. And, and I was reminded as I was thinking about this, about 14 years ago, uh, my wife and I, after we married, we had the opportunity uh, to take a honeymoon down to Jamaica. I don't know if you've ever been to uh, Jamaica, but Jamaica uh, is a wonderful place uh, to visit. Uh, we flew into um, a little place called Montego Bay and took about a two-hour drive, I think westward, maybe eastward, I don't really remember. But anyway, we drove to Ocho Rios, and, and let me tell you, uh, I don't ever want to do that again. That was a scary, scary ride. But one of the things we, we realized when we got to this little resort town where we were going to stay for a week or so is that there was this place there called Duns River Falls. Now, I don't know if you've ever uh, heard of Duns River Falls or if you're familiar with it or not, but and it is a, a natural wonder. Duns River Falls uh, ascends about nearly 1,000 feet uh, up the side of this hill, and it's a fresh water waterfall that empties into the Caribbean Ocean. And, uh, and what you can do is you can hike up this waterfall, okay? And when I say you can hike up this waterfall, I don't mean you're, you're on a well-worn path beside the waterfall. You actually are walking through uh, the waterfall. And, and so, of course, they have guides there that will lead you, uh, you know, because the guides, they know exactly where to go, when to turn, how to traverse this incredible waterfall. And so, and so they warn you, follow your guide. Don't stray from your guide. And then the other thing they tell you to do is to kind of form this human chain. And so they'll take you up in groups. And, and, and what you do is you hold the hand of the person in front of you, and you hold the hand of the person behind you, and you walk ever so carefully up this waterfall. It takes about an hour and a half uh, to do this. And it's an incredible, amazing opportunity that I'm glad we had the chance to do. But we had to follow the guide. And so as we turn to God's Word this morning, I want us to behold Jesus, the one whom we follow. So if you are there with me in John chapter 21, let's go ahead and we'll pick up in verse 15. And we'll read through verse 23. This is what it says. It says, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you, you know that I love you. And he said to him a, th a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said this to him a third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly I say, truly, truly I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands 
and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this to him, he said, follow me. Verse 20. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die. But if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we're reminded this morning that your word is sharper than a double-edged sword. Father, your word doesn't fail, it doesn't fade, it remains forever. And so, Father, we thank you for this story that we see here at the, at the tail end of John. Father, we thank you for your word. And, Father, we pray that as we look into your perfect law this morning, that you would open up our hearts to receive truth. Open up our hearts this morning to see Jesus. Open up our hearts this morning to, to see and behold the wonderful Savior. The one who gives second chances. The one who restores. The one who calls us to follow Him. Thank you, Father, for your word. Father, be magnified and glorified in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me just take a moment and set the scene for you. This text here comes on the heels of this miraculous thing that happened. If you were to go back and, and read the first few verses of John chapter 21, you see the, the disciples had gone back to Galilee as Jesus had instructed them, and they were waiting for him. They were waiting for what was to come next. And so as they were waiting, Peter decides, hey, I'm going to go fishing. He was a professional fisherman, and I don't know if he was hungry. I don't know if he needed some extra cash. I don't know what his motivation was, but, but he said, hey, I'm going to go fishing. Any of you guys want to come? And so a few of the disciples go. John and James say, hey, we'll come with you. Uh, Nathaniel and Thomas say, hey, yeah, I think that's a good idea. We'll, we'll go with you too. And a couple of other disciples go. And, and the text there says that they fished all night long to no avail. They had no luck at all on this fishing trip. And so it's early morning, the dawn's coming, the sun is rising, and, and they're packing their stuff up, and they're getting ready to go back in, and somebody hollers from the shoreline, hey, did you catch anything? And they say, no, we didn't. Not knowing this was Jesus speaking to them, they, they, they took their net, and he said, hey, cast it out on the other side of the boat, and so they did that, and, and they had this miraculous catch. They caught 153, not small fish, but really big fish. And, and John immediately, he said, hey, it's the Lord. And upon hearing that, Peter jumps into the water and takes off towards the shoreline. And it says, as they get back to shore, Jesus had made a fire. And he was there on the, on the beach. And he invited them to have breakfast. What a wonderful breakfast that must have been. Probably the best breakfast that's ever been had in the whole history of the world. And so here we are now, after 
breakfast has been served, after their stomachs are filled, after they've dried off from their fishing adventures. It says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, it's almost as if that if you, if you kind of view this as a, as a scene and a play and you have all of these characters and all of this commotion going on, that, that, that everything around Jesus and Peter kind of fades to black. And the spotlight is now on Jesus and Peter. And he says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And what a, what a picture this is, as Jesus asked that question three times, that, that he is in the process of not only graciously redeeming and restoring Peter, but he's in embracing him with an amazing divine love. And the same thing is true for you and I, that if, if you will choose to follow Jesus, if you will come after him, if you are, will deny yourself, Jesus will redeem you and He will restore you. He will give you life. You see, this story kind of shows us and displays for us that really the, the main issue in Peter's life is this. Does he love the Lord? The main issue is this. Does he really, genuinely love Jesus? And it's interesting that in all the details that we see in this story as it unfolds that Jesus is, is very particular in what he's doing in, in, in his redemption and his restoration of Peter that the text says here that he had made a fire and that, that he had fish and he had bread and he was serving the disciples. And, and we see here in this interaction is Jesus asked Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? That Peter is starting to, to think back to the night that Jesus was betrayed. You see, that night, Peter, uh, it tells us in John chapter 13, and then again in Matthew 26, that, that, that Peter was bold and he was brash, and he said, Lord, listen, these guys may deceive you, they may deny you, they may be ashamed of you, they may leave you, they may forsake you, but I never will. I will follow you even unto death. And he was courageous and he was certain of that claim. And so when Jesus asked Peter this very first time, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? It would have been helpful if if the Apostle John would have put a little parenthetical note in this passage when he says, do you love me more than these? Well, what is Jesus talking about these? Is he talking about the, the fish and the boat and the, 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 the business opportunities? Is he talking about the other disciples? Peter, do you love me more than you love these guys? Or is he saying, Peter, do you really love me more than these guys love me? I think that's what, what Jesus was getting at here when he has this conversation with Peter. Peter, do you love me? And in the process of those questions, Peter becomes sweetly broken. As Jesus is gently restoring him. And you may think, you know, man, that's not very kind of Jesus. Why is he bringing up old stuff? Why is he 
getting Peter to, to think about the time that he denied him. Why is Jesus, seems like he's rubbing salt in Peter's wounds, doesn't it? A little bit. Kind of bringing up old news. But Jesus has a purpose and a plan in this with every question. Every time he says, Peter, do you love me? It's as if with the tender hand, the precise hand of a, of a surgeon, he's cutting away at Peter's heart. And he's restoring Peter. And he's reminding Peter of his own love for him. And how he cares for him. And how he has saved him. And the purpose that he has for his life. You see, Jesus isn't browbeating Peter in this conversation. He's not being unkind to him in this moment. He's simply reminding him. Reminding him of what he had done. Reminding him of how he had fallen. And Jesus, I don't think at all, is speaking harshly to Peter. But I think it's a tough, a soft, tender tone. And as he looks at Peter in the eyes, with, these, with grace in his eyes, he's saying, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? And there's evidence, I think, even in the, the way that, that, that Jesus addresses Peter in this passage. He doesn't say, Peter, do you love me? But he goes back to his given name. Simon, son of John, do you love me? And three times he, he says, Simon, son of John. Simon, son of John. He didn't use the nickname that he had given Peter, which means rock. And on this truth, I will build my church. You know what it reminds me of? When I was a little boy, and I heard my mama use my given name. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Christopher Edward Anderson. You know, you know when you hear that, it's time to run and hide, Right? Like, you done messed up. You've done something wrong, and you're about to pay the price. And yet, here Jesus is. He didn't yell at Peter. There wasn't consternation in his voice. He softly says to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. You see, the main issue for Peter here, as Jesus was getting ready to restore him to what he had called him to do, is this. Do you love me? And, and just like for Peter, I think the, the same thing is true for you and I. We have to come to this place and we have to be honest with ourselves. and We have to be honest with God and we have to ask ourselves the hard question. Do I love the Lord? Do I really love the Lord? Do I really love the Lord? Do we really love Jesus? And you may be saying, yes, of course I do. Or, man, I, I think I do, but I'm, I'm not sure. You know, how, how do you know? How do you know whether or not you love the Lord? But God tells us, he says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. If you love me, 
you will do what I tell you to do. And we see this all throughout Scripture. We see it in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. It says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. This is the instruction that God was giving Moses as he was preparing them to go into the promised land. And he was giving the law to Moses and he, he said, be sure to tell the people that if they will do what I instruct them to do, if they will follow what I've told them to do, then it will go well with them in the land. This land of promise. So love the Lord, your God, with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind. And just a few chapters later, Moses would, would tell them, listen, if you want to show that you love the Lord, do what he tells you to do. And then we have Jesus here in the gospel saying, listen, if you love me, you will obey what I've told you to do. And he says in Matthew chapter 22, we Hear the great commandment. Jesus is, is simply restating Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's interesting that, that, that a scribe, a, a teacher of the law, came to Jesus to test him. And he said, teacher, what is the greatest part of the law? And, and Jesus says, he responds by saying, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That he has called us to love. That he has given us an example of, of even how to love. In fact, John, 1 John uh, chapter 4, verse 10 says this, that we can love because God first loved us. Think about that for a moment. That, that you and I can love the way that God loves because we have been recipients of the love of God. We, we then know what it looks like to walk in love and to know love and to respond in love and to speak in love and to act in love. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be a propitiation for our sins. That Jesus... The Son of God, the unique, only begotten Son of God, came to be an atoning sacrifice for my sin and your sin so that the wrath of God could be appeased and we could know Him. You see, this is love. Everyone knows John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. That the, the, this unique, begotten, one and only Son of God came and accomplished what no one else can accomplish. And Romans 5.8 tells us this, that God demonstrated His love for you and you, and God demonstrated His love for me, and that while we were still sinners, Jesus came and died for us. That we may have life and have it abundantly. You see, you and I can love because God first loved us. And look, it's so interesting here in this passage that, that, that Peter's denial highlights this fact of that, this, that obedience is the evidence of genuine love towards God. 
Peter had disobeyed God. He had rejected God. He had denied God. He denied even knowing the Christ. And that very fact highlights the necessity to obey God out of a heart of love for the Lord. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so the question for you this morning, the question for me that this text puts before us is this, is do we really love God? Do we love Him? Do we, do we listen to Him? Do we obey Him? Do we do what He tells us to do? Do we follow Him? But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't just stop with God inviting us into this relationship to know Him and love Him. Not only does Jesus redeem His people, but He also, he also restores His people. That Jesus is restoring Peter in this moment. With every affirmation of love for Jesus, Jesus is reinstating and recommissioning Peter to the ministry that he's called him to do. He says, feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. With every question and every response, Jesus is restoring Peter. He's restoring Peter to a place of purpose. He's restoring Peter uh, to a place of ministry. He's restoring Peter to a place of service. And he does the same thing for you and I. And it's interesting here that on that last occasion, it says that, that Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. You, you know that I love you. He was a, a, appealing to the omniscience of of who God is, that God knows everything. God knows everything about me. He knows everything about my heart. He knows everything about you. And there's nothing at all that we can hide from God, is there? Children, you can hide things from your parents for a time. If you're married, you can hide things from your spouse for a time. Maybe you can hide things from your friends for a time. But there's nothing, there's nothing that we can hide from God. He knows our heart and Peter is appealing to him, Lord, you know all things. And it says that, that Peter was grieved. And it reminds me of 2 Corinthians chapter 7. It says that the godly sorrow leads to repentance. And we see here in Peter's life that he is sorrowful genuinely for what he had done. We see it the night of, if you go back just a, a few chapters, the, the moment that, that Peter denied him the, the third time around the, the fire there in Caiaphas' um, court. And the rooster crowed and Jesus looked across the courtyard at Peter and I imagine their, their eyes met and, and Jesus probably with grace filled in his eyes. Peter realized instantaneously what had happened and it says he went away and he wept bitterly. He was broken over his sin. We see this heart of repentance in Peter. 
do we have that same heart of repentance? Are you, are you turning away from the things that displease God in your life and running to Jesus, humbly bowing before Him, ready to receive Him, receive His forgiveness and His restoration that He wants to give you? It's interesting in this recommission or this commissioning of Peter, Jesus says, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. It's interesting to note, and we need to see this, that the church belongs to Christ. It is His church. We are His church. He bought us with the precious blood that He shed on the cross. And He has called us to minister, and He has called us to love, and He has called us to care for. And we see this here in, in Peter's life, that He's given him, renewed his purpose, given him a, a kingdom purpose, an eternal purpose. That, that once again, G, that Peter's going to be an ambassador for Christ. He is going to lead many to faith in Jesus. Christian, God has restored you. He's given you purpose. He's given you life. He's given you meaning. So that Christian student, when you go to your middle school campus or your high school campus or your college campus, you're not going there just to get an education. You're not going there just to sleep during first period. You're not going there just to hang out with your friends. You're going there to glorify the God who made you and the God who saved you. Adults, when you go to your job, when you go to your workplace, wherever it may be, whatever it is that you do, you're not going there just to earn a paycheck. You're not going there just to complete a task. You're going there to take the gospel of Christ to your workplace. God has put you in the home you are in to take the gospel to your neighbors. He's given you purpose. He's given you opportunities. That many of us won't have those same opportunities in those same places. And so let's be faithful to what God has called us to do. And we see here, imagine this. Imagine if you were to, to, to read Peter's denial of Jesus, skip over the last part of John's Gospel, and then go directly into the book of Acts. And you start reading Acts, and you see Peter there on the day of Pentecost, and he's, he's preaching, and 3,000 people are saved. And you read through the first 12 chapters of the book of Acts, and you see the ministry that God is accomplishing through Peter and what he's doing and how faithful he is. And you say, what's going on here? I thought he denied him. I thought he rejected him. Well, you're right, he did. But God restored him. God gave him a place of ministry. God gave him a place to serve. God gave him purpose for his life. And friend, that's what God does for you too. That's what He does for me. He opens up doors for us to be a conduit of His love and His grace 
in his gospel message to a lost and hurting world around us. He gives us purpose. We are his ambassadors. He is the one making his appeal through us to those around us. But not only that, he gives us one another. Earlier I mentioned the human chain climbing up Dunn's River Falls. And in a way, it reminds me of the church. It reminds me that, that we are one. That we are in Him and He is in us. And that as we're in Him and He's in us, we're together. And we have unity in Christ. And we see people from all walks of life, all backgrounds, all nationalities, all socioeconomic income levels. And all of these different places in life, they come together and they're unified in Christ. And we love one another and we care for one another. We serve one another. We pray for one another. We, we confess our sins to one another. We encourage one another. We spur one another on towards love and good deeds and faithfulness to Jesus. He is so good. May He be glorified in all that we do. May He be glorified, and He is. I believe He is glorified every time you and I act in a way that's true to His Word. I mean, think about Romans chapter 12. Paul says, by the, in view of the mercies of God, that we should offer up our bodies as a living sacrifice to God that's holy and acceptable to Him. And Paul goes on to say that this is your spiritual act of worship. I mean, think about what that means. Paul is saying, listen, in light of all that God has done for you, in light of your salvation, in light of your forgiveness, in, in light of all the mercy and all the grace and everything that he's done for you, all the riches of his mercies that he's given you, believer, it's your reasonable service to him. That we would obey him and walk with him and serve him. And it's like Paul saying, listen, what else are you going to do? I mean, it only makes sense, right, given what Jesus has done for us, that we would serve Him with our lives. Every one of you in this room that's a born-again child of God, God has given you at least one gift, spiritually. He's gifted you spiritually. He's given you all kinds of gifts and talents and abilities and opportunities. Some can sing. Some can play instruments. Some can serve. Some can administrate. Some We can do all kinds of things. We have dip, different temperaments and personalities and all of these things. And God uses all of our idiosyncrasies and, and all these differences for His kingdom and for His glory. So I want to ask you, believer, what are you doing? Are you serving the Lord? Listen, I want you to know if you're not, there's all kinds of places you can serve here. Right? We need nursery workers. Right? Woohoo! I don't know, it's not really for me. You know, I've heard some people say, not me, I've done my time. Really? Have you? Have you done your time? Tell Jesus that. I've done my time. 
We need people to serve in children's ministry and student ministry, on the greeter team, on the AV team. Maybe you're, we need people to serve and our gather and go, to go out and to share the gospel with those around us. I don't know if you know this or not, but we have women's prayer groups and men's prayer groups on Tuesday mornings. The women are meeting over here praying. On Thursday morning, there's men that meet in the conference room praying. There's plenty to do. There's plenty of ways to serve the Lord. And I want to encourage you to follow Jesus by doing the work that He's called you to do. The second thing we see in this passage, in verse 18, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death Peter was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Believer, if we're going to follow Jesus, we must count the cost. If we're going to follow Jesus, it's not always going to be easy. If we're going to be faithful followers of Christ, it may cost us something. And I think the text begs the question here to us, are we willing to sacrifice everything for Jesus? Are we willing to lay everything down at the foot of the cross? You see, Jesus prophesying Peter's martyrdom here, it just underscores the truth, it underscores this reality that following Christ may require us to pay the ultimate price. It may require us to leave everything. Matthew chapter 10, verse 38 and 39 says this, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to, to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Sometimes there's passages that you don't like to read. Sometimes there's passages that you don't really like to preach. But it's here in the scriptures. And I thank God for it because God is warning us. And he's saying, listen, here's what you can expect if you're going to faithfully follow me in a fallen world. But take heart. Jesus told his disciples, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. And it's interesting that we see with Peter here that he spent the next three decades of his life serving the Lord. And he was faithful to the Lord. He honored the Lord. Was he, did he ever make mistakes? Yeah, he did. Paul called him out on it a couple of times. He made mistakes. He wasn't perfect, but he did what God told him to do. Knowing that someday he was going to die for the gospel that he was preaching. Yet he did it courageously. He served 
Christ faithfully. In fact, I want to turn to 1 Peter chapter 4 and just read a couple of verses, uh, 13 through 16 from 1 Peter 4. He says this. This is after Peter had ministered. He is on in years now. Probably nearing the end of his life, he says this, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. In other words, be faithful. God is faithful. Verse 14, if you are insulted for, for the name of Christ, you're blessed because of the Spirit of glory. And of God, rest upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Christian, you and I will suffer. We will face hardship. We will encounter backlash. People will mock you. They will deride you. They will make fun of you. All because you believe and stand on the Word of God. And Peter says, glory in that. Find joy in that. And the suffering of the Lord. Are we up to the task? Are you up to the task? Will we follow Christ? Will you follow Christ? No matter what it costs you. Will you surrender your life totally unto Him? What if it costs you your job? What if it were to cost you your livelihood? What if it were to cost you your status among your friends? Or a relationship with someone that you love so dearly? Church, here's what I believe. The world around us is increasingly destroying the image of God in mankind. We were talking in our youth Sunday school class this morning that, that somewhere in the, in the country there's 31 legal um, uh, terms for gender. 31! One of our Sunday school teachers astutely reminded us that, well, according to God's Word in Genesis chapter 1, there's only two. Right? God made man in His own image. He made them male and female. He created them. But you see, there's an ever-growing perverseness in the world around us. And I think we have to ask ourselves the question, are we going to follow Christ? Are we going to be faithful to Him and His Word? The world around us continues and wants to redefine what biblical marriage is and biblical sexuality and all of these kinds of things. We're inundated with these things. Are we going to be faithful to Jesus? Will you follow Christ? Will you follow Christ in the workplace no matter what it costs you? If your employer comes to you and says, listen, I want you to do this and it violates your Christian conscience. Or if, he, if they come to you and say, I want you to follow this new policy that we're going to put into place, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? 
What are you going to do in your, in your family? You're going to follow Christ in your family no matter what? How are we going to respond? What are we going to do? We're going to follow Him. We're going to obey Him. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Are you, are, are you willing to, uh, to be labeled a fundamentalist <laughs> or a crazy conservative? All because you love the Lord your God? All because you stand on the truth of His Word? What are we going to do? I want to read to you Matthew chapter 5. A couple of verses from the Sermon on the Mount. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 5, beginning in verse 10. He says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Christian, I want to encourage you to do what's right. I want to encourage you to stand on the truth of God's Word and be faithful to Him. He says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And listen to this. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. You know what Jesus says after that? <laughs> he says, rejoice. Rejoice and be glad. For yours is the kingdom of heaven. Rejoice. Rejoice when they say mean things about you. Rejoice when they forget about you. Rejoice when they leave you alone, rejoice when they mock you for whatever it is. Listen, students, when you're around your peers and you're around your friends and they're doing something that dishonors God and is not right, stand on the truth of God's Word. Who cares what they say about you? Who cares if you lose their friendship? Jesus so graciously warned us, don't fear those who can kill the body but fear Him who can kill both body and soul. Live for the Lord. Jesus promises us in Matthew 19, 29, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields because of my name will receive a hundred times more and will inherit eternal life. Praise the Lord. Let's live faithfully to Jesus. Let's follow Him wherever He tells us to go. And then just briefly wrapping up at the end of this passage. Peter, it's like Peter has a short memory. Peter forgot. Peter was, was being reprimanded and, and, and rebuked kindly and and, you know, for, for him, his comparing himself to, to others and saying, hey, I love you more than these guys love you, and I'll never abandon you, they will, I'll never, you know, all these kinds of things. And as they're walking along, Peter turns and he sees John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And he says, Peter, he says Jesus, what about this guy? What about him? Is he going to die the same kind of death that I'm going to die? Is it, what, what's going to happen with him? Is he going to experience the same ministry that I'm going to experience? 
And I love what Jesus says to him. He says in verse 22, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what's that to you? You follow me. Parents, you ever say that to your kids? Hey, just mind your own business. It ain't got nothing to do with you. Right? That's what Jesus is saying to Peter here. Listen, you don't worry about him. It doesn't matter what my plan is for him. You worry about what my plan is for you, and you follow me. Man, don't we do that? We do that so often. Man, we look at those around us, and we say, man, if I could only play the guitar and sing like Tim, I would do some really good work for the Lord. Or if I could play the violin like Hannah, man, I'd be up there on the the platform. Or if I could preach like that guy, man, I would share the gospel. Or or we wonder, man, you know, we look at, at someone over there and say, man, why can't I have life the way that they have life? Man, everything seems to go so well for them and they don't struggle and they don't have the circumstances that I'm walking through. And when we start entertaining those kinds of thoughts, we get easily distracted for the purpose that God has for us. Christian, be faithful. Don't worry about what God's doing over here. You follow Him faithfully. You obey Him. You walk with Him. You love Him. You serve Him. No matter the cost. God is so good. He is faithful to keep His promises. As we wrap up today, I just want to offer a a time of response. And just invite you, you know, perhaps you are here this morning and... You don't even know what it looks like or, or, or what it means to walk with Jesus. Perhaps you're, you're here today and you've never turned away from your sin. And you've never put your trust in Christ and His finished work on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. I love what the Bible says. The Bible says today can be the day of your salvation. You may have walked through those doors earlier this morning, coming in, in darkness, but you can walk out in glorious light, knowing the one who made you and the one who wants to save you. And you can be born again. And you can have a whole new purpose and a whole new meaning for your life. And so if that's you today, in just a moment, I want to invite you just to call out to God and cry out to God. In your own way, you can do that. Just like Peter did. Peter knew he had sinned. He knew he had messed up. But godly sorrow led him to repentance. And faith. Where he could say, Lord, you know all things. You know my heart. You know that I love you. You can walk out of this place today as a lover of God. And Christian, I want to invite you just to reflect this morning. Reflect on our commitment. Reflect on our love. 
reflect on our faithfulness, our own personal faithfulness to Jesus. God's word tells us in 1 John 1, 9 that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we can walk new with him and we can walk in a whole new purpose, in a whole new light. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. God, we thank you for your word. Father, thank you that in Christ we not only have redemption, but we also have restoration. God, before Jesus, life may have seemed meaningless. Maybe we wondered why we're here, what our purpose is. But in Jesus, you give us a whole new purpose. You give us a reason to live. You give us a reason to live for all eternity, God. And so we pray today that you would search our hearts and you would know us. And Father, I pray for that Christian in here this morning. Maybe they're saying to themselves, man, I need to get in the game. I've been sitting on the sidelines for far too long. Father, I pray that you would speak to them and you would show them what it is that you want them to do and that they would faithfully respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.